Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good evening. Good to see you guys. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you are visiting with us tonight, thank you so much for being here. We are uh, just really glad that you're here, that you're uh, spending your hour on a pretty nice Sunday evening with us. Um, if you're watching online, thank you for watching. One thing I want you to know really quick is we're glad you're here and we want to get to know you just a little bit. Not like in a, you know, now you're here for the first time, tell us everything about you and your middle name and last four of your social and that type of thing. But just, a, hey, what is your name? And good to meet you. And so the best way we could think of doing that is actually in the seat in front of you. There's a card that says welcome. It's red. You fill that out with some really easy information about yourself. And then after this service, you can go in the lobby and there's a table uh, that has a big sign that says info. And you hand that card to the person behind that table and they will give you a free gift. Just kind of our way of saying, hey, thanks for being here. And so uh, we get to know you and we get to give you something. So uh, we just love to give here because God loves to give and we want to be like him as much as possible. <clears throat> One other thing that I really want all of us to know about Cross Creek, and uh, if you've been here a while, you might know this, but I don't want you to forget it. We love questions. We love asking questions. And so uh, we've made a way to help you ask questions and maybe have somebody walk with those questions with you. Uh, it's a card, another card, in, your, in the seat in front of you. It's a blue Connect card. And you just uh, write your name on there, your email address, and mark the bottom that says, I have a so what about question, and then on the back of that card, you write your question. Now, I kind of got to stop for a second, because if you wrote a question last week, I apologize. We didn't get a chance to get to those this week, but tomorrow, that is on my to-do list. And so, if that was you, we're going to, I'll email you tomorrow. That's a promise, unless something major goes on tomorrow. Anyway. And if you're watching online, you can also ask a question. Uh, there's a little spot that says, ask a question, and you can do that. But we love uh, asking and talking through questions so much that we decided to do a six-week series on questions, on questions people have about God, about faith, um, questions exploring Christianity. You know, you, you might say, you know, that's really nice that Jesus died for me and he loves me. That's cool, but so what about, and so that's what we're going through. We're going through questions different uh, questions people have about God and, and faith. And um, we, we're not really able to answer every question somebody has about Jesus. And every question that we explore every night, we're not able to like, really go to every detail of those questions. So what we're really trying to do is create a framework, a framework that we can look through. And whenever a question comes up, uh, whether it's something we talk about here or something that comes up just in your life or in a conversation, you have this framework to kind of look through to help answer those questions for you, to help you discover an answer for yourself. And so that's what we're doing. We're kind of creating this framework. And so as we create that framework, I have a question for you. See, you've been asking me all these questions. Now it's your turn. I know. 
<clears throat> Let me ask you this. Have you ever asked yourself why you're here? Not like that existential, why are we all here? But like right now at 4.50, yeah, that's the right math, 4.50, why are you here? Why do you go to church? Why do, well, like what's, what's the point for you? Why do you? Why do you come here? And you might be like, someone's making me. That's fair, right? Or, you know, I, I feel guilty if I don't go. And so now, now I've gone to church and I kind of checked my box and I know God's going to be happy with me. Or, you know, it, it makes me feel good to be here. I just feel more loved and, and uh, known here. I really like the music that, that dude on the violin. Oh my gosh, he just kind of just melts the ice on my heart and I just feel so warm. I like looking at freakishly tall guys. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, maybe you're, you're here to connect to God. That's awesome. Like, these, are, these are all great, great reasons. Maybe you, you come because, you know, you want to have this godly influence on your kids and just kind of sitting through here is kind of part of the deal, but you're really here just so your kids can be downstairs, which they're getting some great stuff down there. Uh, maybe even it's just for like, and this is kind of more more back in the day, but maybe it's a good social business connection for you. And so you're kind of, you know, part of the community type thing, that community connection. Now, here's the thing. Don't you know how many other things you could be doing right now? And don't, don't nudge her and say, that's what I said. Because I know the weather's great and there's a lot you could be doing. I don't blame you for having said that, for thinking that, yeah, there's a lot, better other, a lot of other better things I could be doing right now. I don't blame you. Often, and I'm, I'm being completely honest, often I think God made me work at a church just so I would go to church every Sunday. Because I probably wouldn't if I, you know, wasn't for it. So, <coughs> yeah, I know. But here's the thing. And I, I think we can be honest about this. Going to church is often boring at best and really harmful at worst, if you think about it. Going to church at its very best, often, it's just this kind of boring thing you do once a week and you, you get it done. Or, you know, at the worst, and maybe you've experienced this, it can be harmful. See, often, if you, if you go to church and it, it can feel like you're in this lecture, this college-level lecture that's in French and is all about 16th century Italian city-state trade policies, Right, all these intricate de de details about dead people that you don't really care about. Right, if, I've, if I had to tell you how many sermons I've sat through that like talked about in detail ancient Jewish ritual washing before they ate, that's not exciting stuff. Right, that's not like, man, I'm going to go out and that's going to change my life because they let the water drip just perfect. It's it's interesting-ish, but it's not. You know, it's it's kind of boring. Or, you know, on the, on the far other hand, going to church can actually be harmful. Maybe that's why you left church. Maybe that's why you were kind of hesitant to come when that person asked you to come. Maybe that's why you're watching online and not really wanting to step foot in a church because of some harm that's been done. Maybe some harm that's been done by somebody in a position that, like, I'm in right now. There's been, people have used guilt and fear in order to, like, dupe people out of money in order to kind of have authority over them. Like the horrible things that people have been taught and the horrible things that have been done by people calling themselves a church, it, it's, it's almost, it's too much to list. There's, it's, it's, 
it can be harmful. So it can be boring, it can be harmful, and not to mention going to church can be pretty weird sometimes. Like, if you've been a church person your whole life, just take a step back. If you're offended right now, perfect. That means I'm, I'm on a roll, I'm doing the right thing here, I'll make you feel better in a second. But just take yourself back for a second. Think how weird church can be. Like, where else in your life, besides going to a TED Talk, do you do something like this, right? And then have some person just sing and everybody kind of sings along. That's kind of weird for our culture. Um, not to mention, like, happy songs about blood and death and crucifixion. That's strange. Uh, words and phrases like blessed what does that even mean? Is it like the Christian version of lucky, usually? Um, sinful, glory, hallelujah, propitiation, washed in the blood of the lamb. That doesn't make, I mean, and they say that cleans you. I've, that's weird. There's a lot of blood in church, by the way. The, the word sanctified. Uh, go even further. You know, when you talk about communion and eating Jesus's body and drinking his blood, there's blood again, Right? <laughs> Or maybe, maybe you've been or you've seen on, on TV or some churches where they're like speaking in tongues and running around and stuff, and that's kind of different for our culture. Or even those churches, and you know, I, I wouldn't be against this, where they're like slapping people on the forehead and they're falling back and they're healed. That's exciting, but it's weird, right? Like church is either like, at its, at its best, it's boring and maybe weird, and at its worst, it can be harmful. And I think it makes a lot of people say, you know, I love Jesus, like the idea of Jesus and, and the, this man who came to die for me and loves me, I, I love that. Like I am, I really like Jesus, but I don't, I'm not so sure about church. Like I, don't, I don't really like church. Like why can't I just, why can't I just love Jesus and, and worship God when, when I'm hiking through the forest? Why can't I just worship God when I'm in nature and seeing everything he created and how beautiful it is? Why do I have to like be with other people? Why do I have to go somewhere to worship God? Why can't I just follow Jesus on my own? I really just don't see the point in church, in going to church. And you know what? I think maybe that's it. Maybe that it. Maybe that's, that's what we're seeing. Church, I think, seems pointless because we've missed the point of the church. Church seems pointless because we've missed the point of the church. And what that is. Maybe we don't really understand what this church thing really is all about. Because when I read about the first Jesus followers, it's not boring. There's nothing boring about it. There's, it's, it's life-giving. When I, when I read about what they did and, and how they spoke and how they interacted with other people, it, was life, it wasn't harmful. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of picketing going on and boycotting. It was, it was giving life to, to their neighbors and, and, and loving and maybe it was weird, but weird in the way like somebody who was paralyzed can now all of a sudden walk again. That kind of weird. Not a very boring kind of weird. See, I think we often reject the idea of, of church because we don't know what it's for. And therefore, it gets boring. It gets weird. And if we really don't know what it's for, it can get harmful, manipulative, so that's what I want to talk about tonight. What is the church actually? What's the point behind church? And if you're, if you're not a Jesus follower here tonight or you're watching online, perfect. We designed this entire service, this entire church, as you'll see later, for you. 
to ask questions, to discover things. And so what I want you to, if you're not, if you don't call yourself a Jesus follower tonight, what I want you to discover is kind of like what this is all about, why we are here, why people choose to take time out of their weekends and go to church and what that's all about. So just kind of a little background information for you. But here's what we're all going to discover is that church isn't somewhere you go. It's something you are. You can get that tattooed on your forehead if you want. It's kind of our main point. Church isn't somewhere you go. It's something you are. And so Jesus actually talks about it. He talks about it in what we call the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' closest uh, followers. We call them disciples. And Matthew, we, we first see him, he is kind of a traitor to the Jewish people. He's a Jewish guy, but he's working for their rulers, the Romans, and he's a tax collector. And one day Jesus walks by Matthew's tax collecting booth, and he just says, follow me. And not like, you know, follow me to, to where, the dark alley where I can beat you up for being a traitor, but follow, like, be one of my main guys. Be one of the closest people to me on earth that's going to be a part of what I'm doing. And so he says, follow me. And so after Jesus died and resurrected and, and went back to be with the Father, uh, Matthew, along with the other disciples, their job was to go around and tell people, here's what Jesus did. Jesus died. He rose again. Here's what he taught. He taught us to love each other and to love God. So that was Matthew's job, basically. And part of that was writing down his experience with Jesus. And so what we have is Matthew's eyewitness biography of Jesus' life. So we call it the book of Matthew, and we kind of slammed it together in what we call the New Testament. And so it's part of the New Testament. And this passage we're going to read that Matthew wrote, um, in it, Jesus takes his, his disciples, and he kind of leaves the crowds that were following him around, and he takes them to a, a place called Caesarea Philippi. That might not mean much to you, but uh, it's 150 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's Caesarea Philippi. It's Caesarea. It's named after Caesar Augustus, the first emperor of Rome who died in 14 AD. And so it was named after him after he died kind of to honor him, right? You know how we kind of name schools after, after people that we revere and that type of thing. Well, this city got named after Caesar, Caesar Augustus. And so Jesus takes, takes his disciples up there to this, to this city that's named after Caesar. It's, it's, it's got all the, you know, the columns and the, and the temples and that kind of stuff. So very grand, very um, posh. It's not a word I have said in three months, but that's what I'm thinking. So it's that, that kind of city, right? All the grandeur of Rome. And he turns to his disciples, and they're looking over all this stuff that Rome can do, and the power of Rome, and he says, hey, you know, we've, we've kind of been working hard, we've been, we've been healing people, and amazing things have been happening, and there's been miracles, and I've been teaching a lot. Who do, who do people say that I am? Like, who, who, who do they think is, what's, what do they think is going on here? Who, who do they say I am? And they the, the um, disciples said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist, who had just been executed, kind of saying that he's his, his, his teaching spirit again, or, or one of the ancient Jewish prophets of Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets, basically saying the people know there's something going on here, and they, so they think you're like this, this great prophet, come back to, to lead Israel. And then Jesus kind of turns to them, kind of turns it on them and says, okay, that's cool, but who do you 
say I am. You've been with me through all of this. You've been getting like, like the footnotes of all my teaching. Like after I teach, then we go sit by the fire and I kind of tell you what it all means. You've been there for it. You've, you're the ones who passed out all these baskets of bread and fish that got separated and, and, and divided and kept multiplying. Who do you say I am? Which really, and this isn't our main point tonight, but who you say Jesus is really is kind of like the most important question in history. That's like the core of Christianity is who is Jesus? Probably the most important question you can answer. And so Jesus says, who do you guys think I am? And that's kind of where we pick up the story right here in the book of Matthew. Simon Peter, who kind of just always spoke first, always acted first. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And there's a lot there. You are the Messiah, meaning you are the anointed one, the promised one, the one that those prophets we just talked about said would come and save our people. In fact, in Greek, the word Messiah, you know what it is? Christ. You are the Christ. See, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's his title, right? You are the anointed one, the promised one, the one that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. But not only that, not only are you this, this promised uh, savior, you're the son of the living God, meaning you are God's chosen king over humanity. Son of, meaning that you, when they would say it in those days, would mean like has all the authority, has all the, um, the essence of the, the, the father. So he's the son of God, meaning he has all the power, all the authority, all the um, personality of God. That's a big statement. Peter just kind of blurts it out. And Jesus basically says, yep, you're right. I am those things. And then he goes on and he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. You're Peter. You're the one who said that I am the Messiah, that I'm the promised one, that I am the son of God, God's chosen king over all of humanity. You are going to be a leader of this movement. And not only that, what you said is going to be the foundation of my church. That declaration that I am the king of humanity, that I am the promised one, is going to be this foundation that I am going to build my church on. See, the church really was Jesus' idea. The church was Jesus' idea. Often we think, or you know, if you haven't really looked into it, a lot of people think that maybe the church was made up by a bunch of old guys trying to have a bunch of power over people less educated and non-male, right? The church was started by people who were wanting power and wanting to subvert the lower classes. But really, the church was Jesus' idea. He came up with it. It's his invention. He said he will build his church. He's predicting what will happen after he's gone after he's done um, doing, doing his rescue mission of the world. But see, there's a problem with, with that verse that we read. He said, and on this rock, I will build my church. The problem is the word church. See, church isn't a, a Jewish word, and it isn't a Greek word either. It's actually a German word. And what, I don't know if you know this, Jesus didn't speak German. I know. Nor did he speak English, and nor did he look like most of you. Anyway, 
So see, church is a German word that means house of the Lord or, or like a building, right? God's building, house of the Lord. It's this German word that kind of made its way into our translations. But church, this building, this house of the Lord is not what Jesus was talking about at all. See, and this confusion on this word church is one of the primary reasons people, meaning you, meaning me, us, we, often have an unfavorable opinion about going to church. See, it's why, I think it's why churches, many churches, have forgotten their purpose. See, remember what we said at the beginning is that the church is not a place you go. The word that's actually translated in that, in that verse is a Greek word, because Jesus had some Greek, is ekklesia. It's not a religious word in any way. Ekklesia means gathering, an assembly, a, a group, usually that a group that's been formed for a specific purpose, a group that's been called out kind of, and, and to assemble for a reason. Not, not a place built for a specific purpose, but a group of people brought together for a specific purpose. Literally, the word means called out ones, the ones that are called out. That's ecclesia. The ones that are called out of the kingdom of self, of just worrying about ourselves and living for ourselves and called into the kingdom of God for, for a greater purpose than just ourselves. That's what Jesus is talking about. I will build this type of group. These called out ones will be my assembly, will be my ecclesia. See, Jesus didn't create a place. He created a people. Jesus didn't create a place. It wasn't about a building. It wasn't about, you know, meeting at a certain time. It was about creating a people. A people whose identity and whose foundation and whose commonality was him and who he was, who he is, his identity. A people who are called out and are founded on his identity. See, when Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't, you know, follow me to this building I am going to build, right? Maybe he was a carpenter and he made some, I don't know. That's not what he's talking about. Not follow me to this building. He's saying, Follow me into a movement. Follow me into something that's going to change the world. Follow me into the greatest movement in human history. And the purpose of this movement isn't just to sit around and listen to some guy talk. Isn't about, the purpose isn't talking about rules and how you're breaking them and how you need to feel bad for yourself. It isn't about staying busy and out of trouble and just kind of biding our time until we get to go to heaven. It's not about keeping its members happy or hearing each other sing once a week or being against anyone who isn't inside the building. That is not the purpose of Jesus' ecclesia. See, Jesus makes it perfectly clear what the point of church, of the, the church, of the ecclesia is. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of Hades. Hades, the realm of the dead. Death itself. Hades. Death itself, he's saying, will not stop my ecclesia, will not stop my people, will not stop my movement. In fact, he's saying the ecclesia, the called out ones, will smash the gates of death. 
Those are some big words. That's a huge idea. That what Jesus is creating based on his identity will smash the gates of death. See, Jesus designed the church, the ecclesia, to be God's multi-ethnic, multi-generational, unstoppable people doing his life-giving work on earth. The church, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones, it's, it's Jesus' chosen tool to save the world from death. See, the church is Jesus' plan A in order to save humanity. And you know what? There's no plan B. That's it. This is his chosen tool. See, the real mission of the church is to bring real life to a hurt and dying world. The real mission of the church, not singing songs, not telling the world how evil they are. The real mission of the church is to bring real life to a hurt and dying world, not to be the moral police, not to be the judges, but to be transformed by the love of Jesus and then transform the world by modeling what this true life, what this true love actually is, and then sharing how other people can have it too. That is the mission of the church. And the cool thing is, we have all been invited to participate in it. Every single one of you watching, listening, sitting here has been invited to be a part of this ecclesia of God's movement to save the world. And say, okay, that's cool. You know, that was, that was neat, John. Way to use that gr- one Greek word you know. So then why do we have organized church? Like, why, why, why can't we just go out and do that? Why can't we just go and do that on our own? Do our own thing and, and be that church and God will make it work however he makes it work. And we just, you know, why are we still, why, still, why are we sitting here? Well, to, to explain that, let me put, say one thing first. Jesus doesn't want something from you. I think so often we think, you know, we've got to do this for Jesus, got to do that for you. Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And what he wants for you is a new, transformed life. And the organized ecclesia is designed to help facilitate that new life. See, we organize so we can increase our individual impact on a hurt and dying world. That's why we're, Think of like a... You ever watch a little kid's um, t-ball game? Maybe their first game before they had great coaching. And like, they, they kind of swing. You've got to hold the bat because they're about to hit the catcher in the head. right? And they, they hit the ball, and then they try to run to third, but then their mom has a juice box, and so they run to mom. There's like no organization, right? They're all kind of just doing their own thing. If we want to be effective, we have to organize. We have to have the same game plan. We have to be kind of... S- going the same, the same route. And so we organize so we can be effective and so that we can be transformed. See, often, often we think, often we, we feel, and maybe even we hear from church leaders that you know, the, the church needs something from us in order to accomplish its purpose. You know, if, you're not, if you don't give all this money and you don't do all these things, then the, the church can't, the, the organization can't thrive and can't, can't can't do its purpose. But see, in reality, 
The organized part of the ecclesia is here to help you, is here to help all of us accomplish our purpose together. Maybe, maybe this helps. See, often church, church leaders see themselves and, and the organization as Luke Skywalker. Okay, put on your Star Wars hats. If you don't know Star Wars, Google it. It's on your computer. See, often churches see themselves as Luke, the hero of the story, right? And they see the people who come to the building as Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? The one who's there to kind of help them make, get their mission. That's completely backward. You are Luke Skywalker. You're welcome. See, it's your story. You're the hero in your story. You're the one who has a mission and a purpose. The church, the organized part of the church is Obi-Wan Kenobi, the, the one that helps guide you, the one that helps kind of focus you, the one that brings us all together on this mission of saving print of the world, not saving Princess Leia. Does that make sense? You're not here to further the church's mission. The church is here to help focus us together for our Jesus-given purpose. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way. So Christ himself, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people. See, all those roles in the organized church are gifts to equip his people, his ecclesia, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up it's another way of saying the church. The body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, when the organized aspect of the ecclesia is functioning as it should, then real transformation happens. Real transformation in people's lives. That's what it's designed to do. But... That transformation doesn't happen just by sitting back and watching. The transformation doesn't happen just by coming and sitting in a row for an hour every Sunday. See, the church is God's vehicle to transform people by giving them the ability to participate in the mission, by giving them the ability to contribute. See, and, and we all know this, and I'll, I'll explain it in a second, but participation is what creates transformation. Cross Creek is, our, our mission is to lead people in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's the participation that creates the transformation. Let's go back to Luke Skywalker, okay? And if you're sick of Star Wars, probably the wrong church. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. That's what happens when I go off script. Anyway, so... Luke Skywalker, we, we first meet him. He's this whiny little farm boy that wants to go play with his friends, right? Doesn't want to do his chores. And by the end, he's like this master Jedi who can take on the dark forces of the Sith, right? How did that happen? Sitting at home and drinking blue milk? No. He, got, he participated in the mission. Obi-Wan brought him along and said, you need to come with me. You need to come help rescue Princess Leia. He participated, and he was transformed. Frodo Baggins. We'll go even nerdier if we have to. Okay? He could have stayed in the Shire and just been this little hobbit and stayed that way. But he went with Gandalf. Oh, that's another good one, too. 
And Gandalf showed him what he could be. Organized the fellowship of the ring. And they all transformed by working together. If you've ever taught something, you realize that when you teach something, you learn it much better, don't you? Because you have to know it. You've participated in the learning yourself. That's why hands-on training is so effective. Because you are learning by participating. You are transforming because you are participating. It is the same as we transform to be more and more as Jesus made us to be. And so at Cross Creek, we call this participation contributing. We use the word contributing. And really, there's, there's two main ways that we, as an organized arm of the ecclesia, have, have um, decided would be a great way to participate, to contribute. The first one is contributing on a team, on one of our service teams. See, when you serve others with others, you transform. You are working alongside other people who are in the process of transforming, and you are transforming, and you are building each other up, and you are accomplishing a goal together. When you do that, you have ownership. You have camaraderie. You actually see the world differently, and you see your place in the world more clearly. In fact, when you, when you serve, and maybe you know this, but studies after studies have been done that show that the psychological, the health benefits of serving others. There's less stress. There's, there's, there's more peace. You're actually healthier when you are serving other people, when you are less selfish, if you will. And it's true. Doing what's best for others is what's best for you. And not only does it help your health, it transforms you into who Jesus is making you to be by serving others, by getting outside of yourself, by living for a kingdom other than the kingdom of self. And, so that's one way to contribute. Another way to contribute is to contribute financially. And at the risk of sounding like PBS, let me tell you that Cross Creek does not work without support from Normal people like you. Like Cross Creek doesn't exist without support from, view, from people like you. Something you might not know about this church, and since you're sitting here, I can talk about us for a second. Cross Creek itself has, receives no denomination support. We don't belong to a denomination of churches. So there's not like this fund of money coming into Cross Creek. We also don't receive any finances from a sending or mother type church. We are... Us, we are Cross Creek. We are on our own in this. So every dollar we use to bring God's love and, and the message of transformation to Salem and to our neighbors comes from the people you are sitting next to. Comes from the people who made that online video possible. And there's actually people who have never stepped foot in this church that have made it possible financially. So if that's you, thank you. Thank you for making this possible. And the people sitting next to you, thank you. The people whose lives have been transformed, thank you. The people who have been baptized like we saw last week, thank you. That is your story. That is your impact. That is you being part of the ecclesia by helping transform lives by donating your hard-earned money to the mission of the ecclesia. So you might not believe this, and you might be like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. But for Cross Creek to actually run smoothly, it takes about $13,000 a month 
to make this happen. And there's a lot more behind the scenes than just, you know, what you're seeing here, the little song and dance, okay? There's a lot going on. And it sounds like, you know, what I'm telling you might sound self-serving at first, right? Like I'm, asking, I'm saying this is all for the church, exactly the opposite of what I just said three minutes ago, right? But when you give financially, it's actually for you. In fact, the best way, and this, you can't prove this scientifically, but really the best way to grow faith, to grow trust in God, is to give financially because you're saying, look, what I have is what I rely on, especially in our culture where we, we really rely on money, right? To, to give some of that to, to God's mission and saying, look, this is your money. I wouldn't have it without you. And now I'm trusting you to take care of my needs. Maybe I'm giving up some wants, but I am trusting you to take care of me. And then he does. Then your faith grows. And then you do it again. And then your faith grows. And I'm not making this up. Just like two weeks ago, I had somebody talk to me about them giving and how their faith has grown because of it. It's, it's, it's true. It strengthens your faith. Your faith it might strengthen your face too. But here's the thing. Nobody likes greedy people, right? You don't want to be a greedy person. And honestly, the best vaccine for greed is generosity. The best way to say, hey, money, you don't own me, is to kick it out of here. Maybe give it to a purpose that, that you are a part of, that you have ownership in. The best vaccine for greed is generosity. And so that's why we are, we, me and the, the Cross Creek Executive Leadership Team, I like to call them Executive Leadership Fellows, because then it's ELF, the elves. But our Executive Leadership Team uh, we are introducing this idea of a 310 challenge. Now stick with me on this. 310 challenge. That kind of has two parts. The first part is this, of the challenge. For three months, just three months, and then you can stop. For three months, commit to donating 10% of your income to the mission of Cross Creek. That seems like a lot. So it has two parts, like I said. For three months, commit to donating 10% of your income. Second part is this. After those three months, if you're like, this was horrible. I haven't been able to pay any bills. Uh, my, my life's fallen apart. We will totally refund every single penny with no judgment. No like, oh, <laughs> that's them, right? This is Cross Creek. We don't do that kind of stuff here, okay? But this is the, that's the challenge is trusting God, and so we as a, as a leadership team are trusting God in that if, if somebody takes that challenge and they aren't happy, we will have the money to refund it. It's all, it's really, it's, it's a challenge for God. It's all on him. And you're like, man, 10%, like that's, that's a lot. That's like canceling a lot of subscriptions, which is hard, I know. Maybe start smaller, that's okay. Maybe start smaller with the goal of reaching 10% in a few months. And maybe make it something that you, you feel. See, generate. We all want to be generous. Right? We say, well, someday when I, when I get that promotion, then I'll be generous. But the studies show that if you're not generous now, you're not going to be generous then. We all want to be generous. This is our chance to actually be generous people. So it's, it's the 310 challenge, three, three months of 10%. It's a no-lose situation. Money-back guarantee. 
In fact, do you ever see injustice or, or a tragedy on the news and you say, I wish I could do something about that? You ever, you ever feel that? Or, or you see a family in need and you're like, man, I wish, I wish I had the money to help them out. I wish I could do something. You can. See, on an individual level, you can care for people. And you can even prevent personal tragedies, personal um, relational difficulties by helping people discover God's love by contributing on a team here, by being that, that welcoming face that they see when they first walk into Cross Creek, by, by being somebody who serves them when they're not used to being served. You can actually prevent future family harm by, by showing them God's love. And on a larger level, we can do something together by contributing financially. See, as the ecclesia, as the called out ones, we can pool our resources together to make a huge impact, to actually make an unbelievable difference. A, a study was done and it said if, if every American, just American, Jesus follower, actually gave 10% of their income to the work of the ecclesia, it would create an additional $165 billion a year. Which that $165 billion could be used to relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. It could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically in places where about one billion people live on less than a dollar a day. It could eliminate illiteracy in five years worldwide. It could provide food, clothing, shelter to all refugees in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. You see the news, you say, man, I wish I could do something. We can. In fact, an example, I just, I just saw it this week. Maybe you saw it too. There's a church in Ohio who had this huge uh, fundraising campaign, not for anything they were doing, but to pay off medical debt for the people in their community. You know how much debt they, one church, because they caught this vision, you know how much debt they paid off for people in their community? $50 million of medical debt. This one church, this one arm of the ecclesia paid off. What could we do? What could we do in Salem? What could we do for Salem? Why don't we find out? That would be fun. Now, maybe you're not ready for these, and maybe you're like, oh my gosh, it's a church. I can't believe he's talking about money. That's why I left 20 years ago. That's okay. You don't have to do any of this. Nobody is being like, okay, so seat A, row four. <laughs> they haven't given in like three months. Nobody's doing that. You're okay. Maybe you're not ready for those, but you want to maybe dip your toe in or find other ways to be part of the ecclesia. Come back. Come back and see what this is about. Or come back and be consistent in coming back. See, it's, it's hard to kind of know what the team's doing when you only go to 25% of the practices, right? The average American Jesus follower, Christian, right now the, the average attendance at a gathering of the ecclesia is about once a month. You're like, yes, I beat average. We're not comparing. <laughs> Join a connect group. Join one of our small groups. That's where the actual churching happens. That's where you can be the ecclesia and, and, and bear one another's burdens and love each other. Join a connect group to be a part of it. 
Uh, be part of our For Salem opportunities, especially this month where we're, we're collecting bottles and cans to, to donate to a group called Young Lives, which is um, teenage mothers being able to go to this camp where they, their kids are babysat for them all day, and they learn about how much Jesus loves them. And I, I love this challenge because there's, I don't know what it is, but there's something that I just love. Uh, I, I know Jesus loves single teen moms. You know why? Because he had one. And so be a part of this. Be a part of this opportunity to show Jesus' love to, the, to these girls that, you know, a lot of people just kind of reject and say, well, you got yourself into that mess. Jesus says, I love you. And we can be a part of showing them that Jesus loves them. And what's cool about all these things, you don't even have to be a Jesus follower to do them. You can help change the world and not even believe anything that I'm saying because you're a part of a group that is focused on changing the world for the better. You can be a part of the greatest effort in the history of humanity, God's rescue mission for the people he loves. So if church seems pointless or boring, maybe it's time for us to focus on the point of church. Maybe it's time for us to to focus on, on the mission of the church. For a second, let's, let's think back on that passage we read in Matthew where, where Jesus predicts this new movement, his ecclesia. Just think about being one of those disciples, many of them teenagers. It must have seemed crazy. It must have seemed impossible to look at the power, the sophistication, the organization, and the wealth of the Roman Empire staring them in the face, looking at this city named after one of the most powerful men in history, and hear Jesus say that what he was building would actually change the world. But he was doing this, this one Jewish rabbi with 12 guys following him, one of them who doesn't even really like him. Well, what could they do? It's ridiculous. I'm going to build my ecclesia and it's going to change, the, it's going to smash the gates of death. But see, Jesus was no ordinary rabbi. Jesus was no ordinary, ordinary man, and death couldn't stop him. And now his ecclesia, his called out ones, are on a mission to bring life to the world. And the Roman Empire is nothing but dust. Jesus' ecclesia still thrives. Jesus is still building his church. And all of us are invited to participate and contribute to the greatest mission in the history of humanity. See, the church is not for church people, not just for us to sit around and enjoy each other and talk about how great we are and everyone else is evil. The church is not for church people. The church is God's rescue plan for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So join the mission and watch yourself transform as you are used to transform the world. I want to end with a quote from one of my, my favorite pastors, Kerry Newhoff. He said, A life devoted to the kingdom of God stands out in a world devoted to the kingdom of self. It's time to stand out. It's time to be the called out ones and be devoted to the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Thank you. Thank you for the church. Thank you for, for the, the crazy plan of using people like us 
to bring life to the neighbors, to the family that we love, to see lives transformed by you working through us. Pray that you give us the courage. Pray that you give us the, the um, wisdom and the insight to be a part of this ecclesia, to see where you are moving and see where you are placing us and just be willing to take the next step in being used by you. Thank you for, for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the life you promise us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Next week, we're going to talk about um, what's up with Christians? Like, why all the hypocrisy? Why all the judgment? Why do they always talk about money? <laughs> so that'll be next week. Invite a friend. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>